Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule. It's me, Kate Borsay. Hello, brimming with football joys and friends in front of me as well. First up, back from her lederhosen hiking in Austria. Did you bring us back any schnupfelwaffel, <laughs> Lindsay Hooper? I didn't, no. It wouldn't have lasted the journey. Shame on you. Devouring and everything I was. Were you? Yeah. More on that later. Let's find out what's Lindsay Hooper's preferred burst when she goes uh, to Austria and other German areas and making her offside rule debut. It is, well, we're very excited to have a journalist extraordinaire heard on TalkSport, read in The Observer, seen on Sky Sports uh, and on Premier League TV. Is there anything she can't do? Quite frankly, no. That's why she's here. It's for Charlie Budwatch. Hello. Hello. I'm excited to be on. Love that introduction. Great to have you on. <laughs> we're also now colleagues. Yes, we are. Tell me more. Yeah. yeah, we're working at Premier League Productions together this season. I mean, Lindsay's obviously been working there for a long time, but I've joined the, the team now this season and yeah, I'm enjoying it. We are on the London patch, Kate. Yes. What do they think of Lindsay at that particular <laughs> broadcast? I can't I, believe I, she's <laughs> saying this. They love her. Everyone they loves love her. I mean, I love her. Lindsay. Um, yes. I was telling Lindsay off air, um, I watch all of her, her hits to camera to learn from, from a professional. Oh, oh so yes. I paid her to say this before. <laughs> That's such the right way to start In Bratwurst for Charlie. <laughs> uh, Hoops, what have you been up to apart from uh, trekking in Austria? Well, when I came back, um, it was get straight back on the football merry-go-round because I, I just briefly came off for a weekend and thought I'd, I'd come back on again. So I went down to Southampton yeah. to interview Safiyan Bufal. So what we both do is we'll have a sit down, won't we, for Charlie with a, with a player every week. A club has to put a player forward and you get some time with them. Mm. Uh, the beauty of this season is we get even longer than we used to get, Ooh. which means you get those little nuggets about the players and their personalities. So Sofian, who was in a real lighthearted mood, I started by saying to him, because he's got a nickname, Soso. And he said, oh, yeah, everybody calls me Soso, my friends, my family. And I said, so can I, can I call you for the rest of the interview, Soso? And he went, mm, and I went, am I not your friend? <laughs> Maybe not. I said, am I not your friend? He went, no. <laughs> so I thought that rinsed that by Sofian. Set the interview up nicely. <laughs> exactly. um, he did win me over, though, with his question. Uh, we get a few that basically a lot of the work that we do for audiences abroad, they want to get to know Premier League stars a they little like bit better. They like the kind of fun, fun yes. snacky stuff, don't they? So one of them was, you know, who would you go for dinner with, dead or alive? Um, oh. And I loved his answer because he said his grandmother, who oh. had passed away five or six years ago and didn't see what he's become in terms mm. of footballing stakes. And he also added in as well, I, you know, I hope she'd be proud of me and proud of the way I'm looking after my mum. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Sweet. It's really nice. Vishani, really have nice. you ever asked a question in one of those situations? Because I've done similar to that as well and had to get Jose Mourinho to sing along with a Christmas carol, which and he gave oh, me wow. the look of death. Literally, what, 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 what the hell are you asking me to do, girly? <laughs> I, I, was, I was very embarrassed to ask it and he, he, he participated in a very unwilling grunt way as you might expect um what's been the question that you've asked a player that you've had a bit of a oddball response or the res or perhaps someone was just like you know yeah no way. that's an easy one um while I was working for the evening standard I went to Cristiano Ronaldo's film premiere 
And, you know, they, they said to me beforehand, you've only got two questions with Ronaldo, so you make them good. So I had these really good questions set up about his film and about Real Madrid because um, he was at Real Madrid at the time. And my editor said, no, we need to get a headline grabbing article out of you from these two questions. And I thought, oh, this is going to be tough. What, what are we going to ask about? Um, he said, the question you have to ask is, does the Ballon d'Or promote selfishness in a player? And you have to talk about Arsene Wenger talking about, you know, the same thing earlier I in the week. I remember that at Do the you time, remember? Yeah. yeah. And that was literally the question I had to ask him. And he had been asked for the sort of half an hour before getting to me about all these little nice things about his film, film his family. Else, yeah. And then, it, you know, here I come along and ask him this question about... <laughs> are you a selfish are you, yeah, player? Basically, are you a selfish player? Because you want to win that award every every season. And to be fair, he was, he was really nice about it. And he just... He just gave me a bit of a weird look and he said, no, I don't think so. But I respect Arsene Wenger. And then I got to ask my second question and that was it. it Did was you awkward. get your, your, your headline grabbing article after that? Yeah, I got four, four words from him and they made an article out of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, being, being at Southampton this week took me back to one of mine, which I will never forget. When Ronald Koeman was the manager at Southampton, a little bit in the same style as Kate, I had to get one of those New Year messages and it was the Chinese New Year of the sheep. And he right. didn't know what a sheep was. Oh, really? <gasps> so I was asking him to say, can you say Happy New Year of the sheep or Happy Chinese New Year? And he said, of the what? And so I said, like a farmyard animal to try and get him to visualise what a sheep looks like. Whilst the media officer in the background was just going, bah, bah. <laughs> and it was just a surreal moment that um, I don't think I'll ever forget. <laughs> Um, well, I have... What have I been up to? I was at West Ham on Saturday for the women's game there. And this morning, blow me down, uh, they are filming a climate change film in my living room. This is a friend of mine. It's a favour for her. It's for Extinction Rebellion. I've kind of got my maybe misgivings about that. But basically, my living room this morning has been turned into the Oval Office and features Mike Pence and Jacinda Ardern. I hope wow. you threw away all those disposable cups that you've had on your on your table for a while. What? what? <laughs> I'm only joking. Well, a bit like Boris. Yeah. Was that your attempt that was at political my, humor? That, that was my attempt <laughs> at political humor. Listen, we better move on. If you'd like to listen to us on the radio, then good news, as we're now on Jack Radio Friday nights from seven. Jack's available online and now on digital radio, and you can follow us outside of listening time at Offside Rule Pod on both Insta and Twitter. Coming up, we're going to be thinking of those players we've loved more than other people, and FIFA have given them credit for. This topic may designed because Lindsay wants to rave about Xabi Alonso, so we'll allow it. Uh, and we're talking football unification as the Belgium and Dutch leagues look at a merger. We discuss what magical unions we'd like to see in football. But first... running forward, it's Serge Gnabry. Still, oh, that's a really good goal. He was able to carry it such a long way and then make Tottenham Hotspur pay. Willian. Oh, it's in! He's timed it perfectly! Callum hudson Adoy, the provider, William the finisher, a goal on his 300th appearance for Chelsea. It's Lille 1, Chelsea 2. It's Gnabry, he fancies another one, Gnabry, and he's got another one. Oh, my word. It's going from the sublime to the ridiculous for Tottenham Hotspur in the Champions League. Their biggest ever European defeat. And Bayern Munich are running up the score. Luka Modric is giving it away. Dennis Bonaventura is on his way again. He stumbles again, but it doesn't matter again. He'll never score a brace like it. Here's Minamino. And there's Holland. It's 3-3. A numbing moment for Anfield that does not know how to feel. Cannot realise. 
home 272 whichever way round you like it it's still too many goals and on the wrong side of this Champions League tie uh, last season's finalists Spurs their spiral continues in face palming fashion doesn't it a crumb of comfort to them uh, will be that they're not alone Real Madrid are in such poor form that they had to haul off keeper Courtois at half time during their two all draw with Club Bruges and Liverpool at 3-0 up conceded 3 in 20 minutes against RB Salzburg before managing to claw one back for a 4-3 victory in fact I don't think we've seen this many goals in a particular week of the group stage of the Champions League in a long time. 52 goals in 16 games. I want to talk Spurs, though, with you, Vishali, very much on your patch in London. What's going on? I think there's a bit of a hangover from last season. I think the team gave so much mentally and physically to get to the Champions League final off, off the back of obviously securing a top four spot. And when they lost the final in the manner that they did, I think, I mean, definitely speaking to Spurs players at the start of the season, I think it really hit them hard. And I think a lot of the players have, have basically have failed to recover from that disappointment. And we're in pre-season, you know, you come back, you kind of get yourself back in, in, into, sort of, um, into the right mentality and state of mind. I think where there have been a few key players of that side who didn't know whether or not they were staying or leaving, mm. they couldn't do that. They couldn't kind of get back into that collective sort of mind frame of let's go again, let's, let's try and do something this season. Up until, of course, the European transfer window that closed and the likes of Ericsson, Alderal, the Matonga, and all new, okay, now we have to stay. And I think they're playing a bit of catch up um, in terms of having that right mindset uh, this season. And of course, they've had a lot of injuries as well to contend mm. with. And I think perhaps there is a fragility in terms of their, their sort of mentality when they're, when they're playing games. I mean, there's some games when they've played quite well in parts and then they just sort of Duff collapse. And yeah. we saw that against Bayern Munich. Yeah. They had a pretty good sort of first 20 minutes or so. And then as soon as sort of the goal started going in, they capitulated. And I think that's where you see there is this massive fragility. And then you, you combine that with players who are making bad mistakes on the pitch. Aurier gave the ball away twice, I think. Alderar did the same. And the fact that Bayern Munich was so clinical, it, it mm. resulted in that horrific scoreline. And lucky, score yeah. As well. Horrific scoreline. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a hangover from last season. And I really do. I think delving deeper into this problem as well, a lot of things that are being levelled at Pochettino at the moment are, has this team got stale? You know, you had this yeah. group of young, talented players. You kept with them. You kept with them. You kept with them when maybe you should have let a few go. And now is it starting to, to catch up in, in the sense of that familiarity being too much? Now, in Pochettino's defence, if you read around this, there are players there, uh, like let's let's list quite a few of them. We can do. I mean, Danny Rose, Ericsson, potentially, although I think he would want to keep Ericsson. But if Ericsson wanted to go, obviously a player wants to leave. Then you'd have you to let, let them go. Um, but Danny Rose, as, as an example, Aurier, there, there were quite a few players that I think he wanted to ship out mm. that he didn't get to do, whether that's a Daniel Levy issue or mm. what, we don't know. And there's a lot of players that have come in that have got injuries, as Vishali touched on, that he hasn't been able to freshen that squad up. So as a manager, there are there are players that you want to bring in to 
make other players unsettled, to make that competition for push places them a bit more, and yeah. push them on. And I don't think that's worked for him. So I, a few things. I don't think the fitness levels have been up to it mm. I, in compa- comparison to previous seasons. That's the thing that I've always held in high regard at Spurs. Too many individuals at the moment, for whatever reason those are, and, and those replacement players that are coming in, they're, they're not actually good enough at the moment. For Charlie, all the talk about Pochettino and how long he's going to stay at the club, what are your feelings from what you're hearing at the club? Well, obviously, he did say, didn't he, if he had won the Champions League, he would have walked away. I don't think that particularly sends a great message out to the team when you then stay and you, you try and revive the team and go again the next season. I don't know. We obviously know that he he wants to be there in the long haul, but I just think increasingly he might be looking at this side and thinking, can I do it again? Mm. Can I revive that squad, and refresh it's a it up? Potential and... disconnect between him and Daniel Levy, yeah, right? which, which which also could absolutely prove to be pivotal. Um, I want to move on because we've got a few things to get through. Lindsay, you've been looking at uh, Real Madrid. Emmanuel Denise said he was going to get a tattoo if he scored. Well, he scored two, so does that mean two tattoos? I'd like to think so in that Margot Robbie style. Did you ever see Graham Norton where she did like the smiley face or the sad face on some people's toes on the bottom no, of their toes? No, I didn't toes? see that. Yes, uh, she did. I think it was just one of the, the crew of Graham Norton's show. I think she ended up tattooing him. If you haven't seen it, go online. It's on YouTube. <laughs> um, and I, that's what I'd like to think is that his toes and then he's got eight left. So, you know, if he gets eight more goals, he could have a, a face <laughs> on the bottom of each one. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> toes. Good morning. Um, um, but what is going on at Real Madrid in summary? By the way, if I had one, I'd have one on my on my thumb. You know when you've got someone under your thumb, like Zidane's head or something? Oh my God, really? <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that because Zidane's my all-time favourite player, so I wouldn't want to take the mick. But uh, what I would say is that Real Madrid look in trouble Mm. you know this is a team that are renowned for their Champions League success you know 13 time winners and I think there is an element of responsibility that comes with that when you go even at the group stages that you're like we're the ones to beat even if it's just historically you know not in terms of being the, the team that are looking to retain the title like Liverpool are this season but I think that they should be setting that benchmark early and what happened here I mean Zidane himself came out afterwards and said it was the, f- the worst Real Madrid performance he'd seen in that first half. They were two down. He called, he called it a joke. And the fact is that you look at the group now and Real Madrid are still bottom of the group. Mm-hmm. They remain bottom of the group. Although they are top of La Liga, bizarrely, <sighs> if we're going to look at this. I mean, La Liga is a, a whole other story, yeah. I think, at the moment. But the fact that Zidane, he didn't include um, James Rodriguez or Gareth Bale in the squad at all. And he said that they weren't fully fit, but I think that's a bit of a smokescreen for other things that we know have been going on. You mentioned Courtois coming off at half time, supposedly being sick, which for Charlie has an update on. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's true, apparently. Um, he was sick earlier on in the day, um, but felt well enough to start the game and then realised really quickly that he was getting really bad. And then he was taken off at half time where, uh, where he vomited, apparently. Oh, uh, so, And he's still ill. So, so yeah, a so chunderous really performance. Ill. Yes, and then Ariola comes or on. Or blunderous, chunderous and blunderous. Chunderous and blunderous. And Ariola comes on, and actually one of the first things he did was prevent a hat trick and made a, a fantastic save. So I think there's going to be some competition there. There are things going on. I mean, if we're talking never with Spurs, you know, we've never seen an English team in the Champions League group stage concede so many goals, and in this situation, we have never seen Real Madrid start a Champions League campaign as bad. 
badly as, as so they badly. have and this actually, year. When your manager comes out and starts to be so critical, that for me is always one of the signs of the beginning of the end. Yeah. Personally, I think that when a manager's so critical like, like that, unless it's typically them, like Mick McCarthy, uh, who um, went through, you know, has gone through certain stages of his career where he's just been so black and white critical. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it was rubbish. Uh, but for Zidane to do it, I think, yeah, I don't know how long he's going to be there and whether that links with Pochettino or not. Who knows? A quick one on the on the tattoo, by the way. I wondered if after Denise's goal celebration where he mimicked Cristiano Ronaldo, whether he would get a picture of Cristiano Ronaldo on him, perhaps, if he's such a super fan. Ronaldo, by the way, doesn't have any tattoos. No, it, he doesn't like them, does he? Well, I thought it was because he gave blood. Uh, yes, so this, this is, is what I heard. I'm, I've never actually checked this out, but this is what I've heard. Yes. Um, which would make sense. Yes, um, because you can't be tattooed four months before or after giving blood. Well done for answering my trivia question for Charlie. So City won 2-0 against Dinamo Zagreb. Phil Foden coming off the bench for City's final goal. After the match, uh, Pep Guardiola said, I'm so sorry for him. He deserves to play more minutes. I'm sure he will contribute and help us more. Then give him more That's your decision, mister. And especially in the League Cup. Yeah, you can't just pretend that you're the player liaison manager hoping to patch things up. It's, it's, It's bizarre. Uh, let's move on to Chelsea. 2-1 winners against Lille. Tammy Abraham with his first Champions League goal. Uh, William scoring a brilliant winner. Maybe youth policy can come good in Europe for well, Charlotte. It looks like it might be. Um, I mean, one of the concerns Frank Lampard had before the game was that a lot of these players, they're playing in the Champions League for the first time. And not only that, they're now going to an away game. And he said, notoriously, that those are hard matches to win. Um, but they did win it. I mean, there's going to be a little bit disappointment with the fact that they conceded a goal from a call. You know, they've only kept one, I think it's one clean sheet so far this season. But it looks like now Lampard has a team that he likes. You've got the likes of Tomori in there, who is he's really impressive mm. so far this season. He may um, actually, I, we're recording this on, on Thursday, and he may actually get an England call-up, Tomori. And be- it'd be amazing if he does, but he, he's, his performances have warranted, I think, a call-up yeah. because he's just been so solid. And then you've got players like Willian, who back in, you know, he, he scored a fine, fine volley in that game. 300th, by the way, uh, appearance for Chelsea. Yeah. So we've so, talked about youth, oh, but there's one of your experience yeah, Absolutely. Players. So he's come good again. And then you've got the likes of Mount. So it's a really nice team, mixture of sort of experience and young players. Mm. And it feels like slowly they are now beginning to get sort of the wins, but, you know, sort of the, the kind of performances that Frank mm. Lampard wants across the 90 minutes. So I think things are looking good for Chelsea. Mm. Let's talk uh, Liverpool, Red Bull, Salzburg. Just a calamitous 20 minutes of play here, really. Bizarre, because Liverpool looked good. First couple of goals, uh, Mane and Robertson, lovely, you know, typical flair. And they go 3-0 up and then Salzburg pull one back and you think, OK, we can handle this. 3-1 at Anfield, that's OK, we'll just contain it now. But Liverpool didn't. Another goal going in for the, the three-all. Our friend Erling Braut Haaland again, mm. son of Alfinger, 19 years old. That's his 18th goal of the season, by the way, in his 11th games. Wow. 18 Incredible. goals by the 2nd of October. Awesome. Obviously, Liverpool did manage to pull one back, another one from Salah. However, I would say that if you're going, and, and I think I said this the last one when Van Dijk made a made an error in the last Champions League game. I think I'm I'm quite happy for that to happen at this stage of the Champions League. It doesn't mean that the side are capitulating. No, and, and it sounds crazy to say this when the comeback was so good, but I don't think that Liverpool were in danger of losing that match. You know, when he needed to, Jurgen Klopp made that change with Milner for Henderson and, and they tactically they found a different way mm. of winning. But he was obviously alarmed that the team hadn't taken on his 
pre-match warnings about this team. And actually looking at shots of his face. He was angry. Well, the second goal came in and he was just like, uh? <laughs> this sort of sort of grimace comes smile on his face looking completely bewildered all right well with the second set of fixtures done in the champions league group stages it's time to merge come on get in line join in join together hold don't skip this bit because i've got a really important message for you we have a wsl show that's right a women's super league show it's our dedicated podcast to all things women's football and you can listen to it right now it's on its own beautiful separate feed. This week we have Claire Rafferty and Anne-Marie Batson to help us dissect the goings-on at the London Stadium as West Ham lost to Spurs and we get the lowdown on the Women's Champions League draw as Man City face Atletico Madrid in the Tony Duggan derby. Love that. As you know, it's already out, so just have a search on your podcasting app right now for the Offside Rule WSL edition and hit subscribe. The Offside Rule WSL edition because women's football is for life, not just for every few years or so. And Vashali, can you just confirm for Raf's benefit that I exist? Yeah, I can confirm. I am looking at you right now. Okay, good. She, I was listening to the podcast and she, she just so happens to have been on the WSL one every time I'm not. Yes. So it looks like I'm trying to avoid it, but I promise Raf I'm not. You're listening to The Offside Rule with me, Kate Borsay, Lindsay Hooper and Vashali Bardwaj. Let's talk Merge, merge, merge. See what I done with my words there? I've merged, merged them. them. See what you did there. I thought you'd gone Ron Burgundy on us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Started to lose the trail of my very well-being. Uh, Rumours continue to swirl, ladies, of a Belgium and a Dutch league merger. It all kicked off about a year ago with those rumours. And a couple of weeks ago, we heard more upon this uh, football leagues merging together uh, with the idea that the MLS and Mexico's top league, Liga MX, or MX, as they say in Mexico... Thank you very much. <laughs> was brought up by the Liga MX president Enrique Bonilla or Bonilla. Well, the appeal for the two biggest leagues in CONCACAF to merge would create a Super League. Very exciting prospect with talent and skill in there. But it would also likely involve a ton of money and create a ton of money too. And I think it might sound something a bit like this. Pavon takes it in on goal, leaves it for Ibrahimovic, goal! Firstly, do we like the idea of leagues merging? It's a tough one, I think. I quite like the idea that you'd probably get sort of the best teams from all the, the, the two different leagues that you want to merge and you'd see them play each other. I quite like that idea. And I like the travel idea as well because they're not too far away, are they, Belgium and, and, and Netherlands? So for fans, it's not like you're going trekking like, you know, a really, really long way. I think distance, like yeah. NFL fans this weekend. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or, yeah. or like even with the MLS and, and the Mexican League. I mean, that's going to be a that's going to be a big distance Quite some to distance. cover. Yeah, I don't know how they do it, but I do worry about the smaller teams, sort of the teams at the bottom of the respective leagues. I mean, what what happens to them? I mean, do they? Would they still be in this new Super League? Yeah. I, I wonder. But I do like the idea of, of a sort of a, a merging of talent. I remember when I used to cover the French Ligue 1, um, I had just finished covering La Liga and I started to do this. It was really early on in my journalism career. And at the time, people didn't really know about the French Ligue 1 because PSG was just being taken over by QSI. And people used to ask me a lot, oh, what's the French League like? And I'm like, if you can imagine a merger between La Liga and the Premier League, it's kind of like that in that you've got some teams who play really good football like Barcelona and Real Madrid, like Lorient at the time. Mm. And then you've got teams who are really, really physical, um, like a Stoke in the Premier League, for example. <laughs> um, so I quite like the idea of mixing talent, but I do worry about smaller teams. I think in Europe as well, with the, the Dutch and Belgian proposal, I can understand it. Because you look in Europe and you've got La Liga, which is on the rise and having 
much more money ploughed into it. Syria is on the up. Bundesliga too. Bundesliga. You need something to compete, yeah. I guess. And, and and on their own, they probably don't feel that they can. But if this merger helps them attract mm. more money and interest and players, then maybe the likes of Holland, when they've they've got you know aspirations and Belgium you know in in World Cups they could probably harness more of their own talent I guess all right well that's uh, plenty of uh, intelligent insightful discussion now I'd just like some out there ideas yeah let's just have some fun with it (laughs) Uh, what football mergers would we like to see Vishali I've got a good one so this is a merging of people. Can we please put to end the, the debate about who is the best player in the world? Can we just merge Ronaldo and Messi? I had this one as well. And, and then we'll get this super player yes. and that will be the best player in the world. No one will ever have fights. So the left, there we go. left foot of left Messi right and right foot of yeah. Ronaldo. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And totally sort of the agree. natural talent of, of Messi and the hard working skills of Ronaldo combined into one super player. He will be the best player ever. I love how <laughs> Vishali's brain, and it sounds like yours as well, Kate, went to, you know, how can we make this super footballing machine yes. what can we do whereas my brain goes to this would be great viewing like fly on the wall documentary let's get Zinedine Zidane and Gareth Bale to house share and put cameras in there because oh, that idea. could be a merging of, uh, of living I just really am interested a little bit like the Osbournes used to be I just want to I just want to watch everything around these two and and what this what this beef is that they that Zidane's got with him it could be tense, couldn't it? I mean, it could, yeah. they would either just outright avoid each other in that house or you'd have to design kind of quite sick mm. like, you know, games and uh, uh, initiatives, ideas to sort of get them to have to merge. I'm also going to do my friend Simona a favour. So she's a huge national Germany fan. So, you know, we've seen her, her team win the World Cup and has enjoyed many, many f- fortuitous years with, with oh, what? Fortuitous. How, how do I say it? Fortuitous. <laughs> and has enjoyed many fortuitous years uh, watching Germany. But at the moment, they are pulled apart completely because of the goalkeeper situation. So Bayern Munich, for anyone who's not aware of this, are threatening not to let any players join the national team, all because of this argument as to whether Tostegen or whether Neuer should Neuer. be Germany's number one mm. goalkeeper. And they, they've even had, you know, verbal onslaughts between themselves in, in public. So it's been getting out of control. So I'm going to do a merger of players as well, but I'm going to merge the two of them because you've got Manuel Neuer's experience. He was once the best in the world yeah. with this up and coming talent who does deserve more time as number one for Germany. And it might rescue German football. Why am I doing this? I'm English. I'll take it back. <laughs> well, I also thought about a goalkeeper merger because often you'll get a keeper who's great with his feet or great with his hands. And there are a few out there, a select few who are good across the board. But I just thought, let's try and make a mega goalkeeper. It's not enough to just make a mega player out of Ronaldo and Messi, is it? So um, maybe not based on this week's performance, but how about for his hands, Thibaut Courtois and for footwork, David De Gea? The ultimate goalie. Interesting. That would be good. Rama, you would that love a goalkeeper, be, goalkeeper I, like that. I think they? that might have been good a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Lindsay, what else have you got for us? I, a visual one, which is always great on radio, but go with me. So Wolfsburg's home kit, if you've not seen it, it is like a fluorescent green Is it as bad as Manchester cross. City's that's what, away kit? That's what I'm merging it with. Oh. Manchester City's away kit, which is all the oh, fluorescent, wow. the pink and yellow. With a fl- What is missing from that kit? Fluorescent green. Oh, yes. So you go Wolfsburg <laughs> home kit and then you've got a real dazzler for your eyes. A very yeah. much a treat in these dark nights, the winter periods. That, 
that would be my all-time kit merger. And finally, one to do with women's football as well, that the merging of match days. When's it going to happen that we can watch the men's and the women's yeah. on the same day? Let's merge the match days at clubs and get more attendances. And let's we have do this it in rugby, of course. Yeah, and, and not just rugby. with the women's the women's game. I think across the board, you know, if you've got your under twenty three, why can't we? watch all of our respective yeah. teams. Mm. It, they do it on European days, don't they, where the under-23s or something will play or in the Premier League, won't they? And then the first team often play on the same day. So that works out. Yeah. yeah. Talking of women's football, um, the Belgium Dutch uh, leagues did merge with women's football, by the way, obviously muting it within the men's game, but it was called the Beanie League, as in B-E for Belgium and N-E for Netherlands. So I thought that's quite quite a snazzy name officially recognised by UEFA between 2012 and 2015 and there is actually also a Beanie Ice Hockey League as well I think but anyway that didn't go too well I think one club went bust and it just generally fell apart a bit at the seams but when I was having a look at this my mind was cast back to an interview with Tony Blair who was obsessed he admitted for for a while that merging the England and Scottish football leagues would head off the threat of Scottish independence. There was an independence vote before the uh, recent one a, a couple of years ago and he was trying to work out, Tony Blair and his wisdom, the best way to try and unite England let's and Scotland. Just, let's just say one word and rain on his parade, which must have been said at the time, trains, right? No yeah. one, we can't even get anywhere in this country. I the think, reason why they're I talking the about Scottish Belgium people and might Dutch. Have more, yeah, might have had more to say about it than trains. But yeah, that has often been muted, hasn't it? Yeah. Merging uh, the Scottish leagues uh, or divisions within English football. Uh, well, that's a weird combination of things that we've come up with there. Next up, let's head to a celebration of underrated footballers. This is the Offside Rule from Muddy Knees Media. Well, it's that time of year again, isn't it? That footballers get to know what we and, well, video game makers really think of their skills and their talents <laughs> as the FIFA ratings come out. This year, Wes Morgan had a particularly low pace of 29. Brendan Rodgers said, it's slightly harsh on Wes. Slightly. <laughs> Can you imagine what happens in the dressing room after these scores <laughs> come out? If anything, that's slightly harsh on Wes. Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> so uh, let's pick out some of our most underrated football players of any time. Well, I'm going to go with a current one, and that's Lucas Fabianski. He's, yeah. he's been amazing at West Ham, and perhaps now he is getting the credit that he deserves. But I think just off the back of how he started his career, no one really seems to rank him as a good goalkeeper, like a great, a really, really good top solid goalkeeper now because of how what happened at the start of his career. But he's showing week in, week out, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. Makes lots of saves. Absolutely. This could be a timely point made by you, for Charlie, because oh, really? he's going to be missing for West Ham against Crystal Palace this weekend. Two months oh. he's out for, yeah. actually. And I think they will really see how much he brings and I don't think that their number two is particularly brilliant so it could be could be definitely a point made by you I was going to throw in Dennis Bergkamp we know he's a great footballer but actually was he overshadowed a bit in his time by Thierry Henry et al do we give Dennis Bergkamp the respect that he deserves when you think about what he did in that team and particularly running up to the invincible period as well? I think well? we have since. I think at the time he probably did get a little overshadowed. But I think when you when you look back at Arsenal legends, his name is always mentioned. He and is, but is he mentioned when we look at Premier League legends? Because what he did, I would say, arguably, with what he bought to the Premier League at that time was a whole turning point in the reason why the Premier League I love how so you attractive. use turning point because actually the analysis I would use is like he was more of a Johan Cruyff sort of player so turning point was a good <laughs> a good phrase I think that stats don't back it up 
you know, if you Thierry Henry is up there mm. in in all the huge stats. Yes, whereas I think so. Bergkamp, he, but you had to be there. You had to yeah. see it. I think it's come to light because Aubameyang's equal Bergkamp's 22-year-old Arsenal goal record by scoring seven times in the first seven games. Now that's a bit of a loose stat, but that does it, it's paint one that's some worth, of the picture. It's one, it's that's, one worth that's worth putting, putting in out there. there, like I did on Monday. <laughs> um, who else have you got for um, us? So. A couple of Liverpool players, actually, for you. Thank you. Um, that I think were very much overlooked at the time. The one that I always say to you, we've had these conversations mm. before, but Zabi Alonso. Yeah, they shouldn't, I, shouldn't have been allowed to leave. I do not think that they understood what they had there. And he never got mentioned as that linchpin in the side that he was. But when he left, boy, did you see did the we, gaps yeah, that he left yeah. behind. <laughs> and I would also say, and not just a Liverpool player, he played for Leicester, Wigan, Villa, Emil Heskey. In terms of a strike partner, I, you know, we never talk about him in terms of goals as much, but would a lot of the other strikers have nearly as many if it was for him? You know, Michael Owen spoken about Emil Heskey and how, how much he provided him with. Tony Cotty said that he, you know, he wouldn't have had nearly as many goals if it wasn't for Emil Heskey. I'd say Emil Heskey was reliable. Would I say he was one of the best at the time in terms of flair or excitement? I, I don't think I would. Absolutely agree with the the Chabi Alonso uh, issue because I couldn't believe at the time. I mean, I remember when all the talk was about let's bring Gareth Barry in, let's get rid of Alonso, and I was like, no, this what? is a bad idea. <laughs> and really then he goes idea. off to Real Madrid, and you know, everyone saw just how important. Uh, he was and you, you think about it now when we look at teams like Arsenal where there's so much debate about having a really really good midfielder holding sort of the fort in midfield with all the talk about Xhaka you know he makes mistakes and you look at someone like Kante at Chelsea he's so good it's such a difficult position mm. to play in because um, you can really control games and he did that for Liverpool it's just a shame that he left the way that mm. he left I'm going to finish with a couple of Man United players so Michael Carrick is one that everyone always talks about but the other one because you go back in history and you look at those Manchester United sides under Sir Alex Ferguson that did so well and everyone talks about many players how often does anyone say Dennis Irwin Mm. very rarely but he was dependable he was a go-to in the side at 12 years 529 appearances you know you need those players for everyone else to function around them so I'm going to give a bit of plaudit to Dennis Irwin and he also happened to go to Wolves okay Well, as ever, we'd like to round up with any other business. As ever, I still haven't got my theme tune, by the way, everyone, for any other business. I'd like Ian Holloway to help out with this because I just think the, the, the any other business phrase sounds much better in his any other business. Well, I, I think we're halfway to maybe getting one if we play our cards right from an actual famous DJ. Oh, hello. Okay. So, Monkey DJ listens to our podcast. Mm. I'm connected. I've sent a message asking to have her on one of our WSL shows at some point. Ooh, and I'm thinking maybe that. we could slip it in. Yeah. Would you mind doing an any other business? I would absolutely love that. Sure, yeah. sure, mind. Um, this week in our any other business bin is the fact that footballers are learning important life lessons. Uh, this week, Ross Barkley learnt that eating chips in a taxi doesn't always work out very you know well. What the irony of that is, is that the day before I interviewed him and asked him what oh. food he would take to a what desert island. Say? Fruit salad. Yeah, right. Of course he would. That led Frank Lampard, by the way, the old chip taxi gate, to say uh, he hasn't committed a crime apart from eating chips in a taxi but and, it's, and dropping them and, and, dropping, and them. dropping them everywhere and, and <laughs> I being do that every week. to a cash point 
quite the crime. What life lessons have you learned? If we're to share a little thing that we've learned, and I'll, I'll pay tribute to Hayley McQueen quickly, who I think interviewed, I think it was Steve Bruce when she was at Manchester United TV and he was there. I think it's Steve Bruce anyway. And um, she forgot a pen to write her note because those, those were the days before iPads and all the wanfangled technology that we work with these days. She had a notebook very diligently, but she'd forgotten her pen. And he just turned around to her very simply and said, fail to prepare? Prepare to fail. Ooh. What a way to start an interview <laughs> off, eh? Feeling absolutely the size of a small <laughs> pea. Vishali, any life lessons for us in football? In football, I would say take two phones. And I, I do have two phones. I hate having two phones, but I always take two phones and I record all my interviews with two phones and I make notes as well. Really? Is that because, because of... once one of my phones died on me <gasps> during an interview and luckily I had the second phone nearby so I could switch it on. So I had half of the interview recorded on one and the half on the other. But imagine if I hadn't had that second phone. And because I hate taking shorthand notes when you're talking to players because they think it's you're not listening. Difficult, yeah. yeah, they think you're not listening and then they start to you know, lose interest so I, I try to not take too that, many short you know what that is that's your bridge from a newspaper journalist to broadcast yeah. is that you can do the shorthand on your newspaper but when, when you come into broadcast you've got to then do the eye contact yeah, and you, you can't suddenly absolutely. take all the notes so yeah two, two phones mm. or three you know just to be on the safe side you never know <laughs> <laughs> My, mine would go back a couple of weeks, anyone who... Uh, a couple of weeks yeah, for your life lessons. Yeah, I, I learned it about 14 years into my career, which was um, never, ever say the word impetus in a match report. Oh, yeah. And for anyone listening to BBC Final Score, they will know exactly what I mean by that. What happened? Well, it just sounds like another word, doesn't it? So Impotent. when I... So, yeah, so when I said that the uh, the opposition team had come out after the break with a lot more impetus... That isn't exactly how I ended up saying it. So I, I would just be careful with what mm. words you choose. Mm. Lindsay Brown's a whole, a whole football team unable to have any children, by the way, in case you haven't <laughs> figured that out. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of The Offside Rule. Please do hit subscribe on your various devices to make sure you get each episode as soon as it's launched. Leave us a five star review. How do they do that? They just click the last star. It's, it's so, so easy. easy. And we are in new and noteworthy for our WSL edition this oh, week. Yeah, please iTunes. check out our WSL edition. It features former English. England and Chelsea star Claire Rafferty. Gilly Flahert is there as well, captain of West Ham, former England player. So, uh, yeah, we'd love you to have a listen to that. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts across the board. Leave us a review and we'll read out our favourites. Plus, it helps other people find us. Until next time, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Offside Rule Pod for both. Check out the website too, offsiderulepodcast.com. Some very interesting thoughts from Jasmine Baba there on uh, Everton. There's a, a great article that's gone up about Manchester United and lots of other interesting talking points from our writers. Uh, offsiderulepodcast.com for that. And remember, 7 o'clock Jack Radio on Fridays is where you'll hear us. also repeated on Saturday mornings as well. For Charlie, thank you so much for joining us and making your debut on the show. Yeah, did you, you enjoy it? it? Obviously. Of course. <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh, well, it's been an honour for you to join us. Thank you so much. Uh, again, for your nuggets of wisdom, Lindsay Hooper as well. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll have more for you next week. Goodbye. Bye. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Podcast Network.